welcome to the Through Our Eyes podcast. Um, this is a live recording of our podcast highlighting marginalised uh, uh, creators and the stories um, of how they experience uh, uh, various challenges or <laughs> cat butts. Um, <laughs> um, the alerts will be off um so uh we aren't disturbed but we will be keeping an eye on chat also uh feel free to submit questions uh via the channel points redemption command um and we'll get to them um uh, at towards the end um so this um podcast is my brain just blanked there. Um, <laughs> this podcast is something that came about as a, a side project um, that Paige and I um, banded together with after the big streams of the Through Our Eyes based on highlighting marginalized groups in a larger context. And this highlights more individual stories um, because we discovered that during the stream so you can't you cannot even begin to try and fit in one person's story no. um but yeah Paige would you like to introduce yourself and tell us about the uh through our eyes project I mean you've pretty much already done it but hello I'm Paige or Arthur Miss you may see me about uh online as that and uh yeah so the through our eyes streams were created to bring together loads of different creators at the same time to discuss being marginalized pretty much and intersectionality and also to highlight modern causes and uh, things that we can help fundraise for all that kind of thing um we're on a slight hiatus at the minute with the next stream there will be some information going up about that soon um there's a reason you'll find out what that is later for now secrets um, <laughs> but yes yeah, so those streams have so far raised nearly ten thousand dollars for charity and we've talked to 80 plus guests over the last eight nine months which has been absolutely fantastic and uh yeah as Drax said even though the streams are 10 odd hours long because we have up to 30 guests on each one there's never really enough time to really learn about a person or meet a specific person so Drax came up with the idea for the podcast where we can actually pluck those people out of the streams and sit them down and grill them for all of the knowledge they have in their heads and uh <laughs> that's that's pretty much what we do that's pretty much what we do. <laughs> oh dear. Um, before we move on, can I get a shout out for Paige, please? Um, Thank you. So that you can all spread some love over her way. Um, right. So today we have. Would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, sorry, that was me. I was just <laughs> enjoying your introductions. There, having a good time. Uh, yeah, my name's Blaze uh at blazicus on all socials twitch all that all that jazz all that's there and uh yeah i have uh, basically to found out i had a uh, long-term sufferer of bpd or eupd as some people might know it as and yeah it's just been recently getting to know myself and it's great being able to get and come and share that with other people as well now that's yeah that's that's me <laughs> so Tell us a bit about your, before we get into the nitty gritty of everything, tell us a bit about your content and what you do. And I'm still quite small as a content creator. I'm 
I'm not, not on Twitch, obviously. <laughs> I'm sort of. Oh, Drax did the annoyed Nan face there. That was the oof. Just gonna throw a biscuit tin at you. <laughs> God knows what. Don't be get in me that. started. I will sorts. get my biscuit tin. Um, I no. absolutely love doing it, and no one is a small streamer. Growing. There you go. Growing. Is that a better word? I'm a growing streamer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I I really enjoy it. I've taken to it well, and I thoroughly enjoy being able to spend time with people through doing that and meeting new people doing that, as well as I like doing writing and things on the side. And I've got all that linked to all my socials. Socials? Socials. So. <laughs> Uh, words are going to be very hard for me today. So. That is all right. Okay. They are, they're difficult for us all the time. But I do have a quick question. Now, uh, in the in the back of mine and Drax cameras, we do have cats. Do you I know. happen to have a pet? I'm, I don't. I mean, I've got a, <gasps> I've got a cat calendar. No, it's and got Henry Hoover. Got, Henry Hoover's that, that counts. Drunk-looking Henry Hoover, yeah, and yeah. I've got a cat calendar. There you go. Oh, that's the, very sweet. It's the sixty-first <laughs> of the month, and I've just dropped the numbers oh. everywhere. <laughs> And so well, ended the cat I, I nearly just uh, <laughs> yeah. dropped that square on my private, so oh. that would have been a fantastic start. So. Sugar has just turned her ass at that. It's just like, mm -mm, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit of a disturbed-looking cat. Oh, God. It's, it's a little bit satanic. That's... But... Yeah, that's fair, actually. And my that's son fair. seems to have stolen one of the uh, month markers on it, so that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Oh, well, that's my question, son. I'll go now. <laughs> do you have something with a cat in your house? Yes. The Good, answer is do. a very startled-looking cat calendar. Perfect. <laughs> All right. And um, lastly, um, you didn't cover like pronouns and uh, he him. So yeah. Okay. Perfect. Right. Perfect. So um, our first question, um, as always, is um, give us the lowdown of your story. What brought you here today? I mean. Would you want it from minute one or to the story of how I went through the diagnosis? That's the how. Uh... Give us uh, whatever you're willing to talk about. This is this is the point of the podcast is to give an yeah, open course, space yeah. for you to talk about what you're comfortable talking about. Yeah, um, yeah. Give a bit of insight, and um, if it's a case of starting before you got the diagnosis and then moving on to the diagnosis, go for it. I think that is it, really. Uh, mm. I've sort of, I had a very tough childhood growing up and I was always sort of, didn't feel normal. I was always like, there was definitely something wrong with me. Like not so much as a learning difficulty, but a mental health problem. I had a very tough upbringing with a lot of loss, a lot of grief and going through school and high school and sort of, I sort of realized that I was, I thought I was depressed. I thought, oh, there's, I'm going to have to go seek a, uh, a therapist or something like that. And and then thus begin, anyone that's ever been on the uh, mental health team in the UK knows it's a uphill climb of being thrown between doctor and doctor, psychologist, psychologist. And yeah, I sort of went for about eight years overall, trying to get a, even a diagnosis or even to properly speak to someone. And I went through the diagnosis of uh, PTSD, uh, bipolar just general anxiety and depression, but everything they tried with me and sort of um, medicated me for things like that never really stuck with me. I was like, I feel like I should be getting better. I don't get why nothing seems right. And uh, I finally, I mean, this will happen. You finally find the one doctor that really understands you and will sit with you and go, right, 
we're going to put you through this. And he's like, I think you've got BPD. I was like, and he was like, and there's usually a list of like nine key uh, identity points for BPD. And he's like, right, uh, do, uh, do you associate with this? Do you associate with this? He's like, and every single one's tick, tick, tick. I was like, hmm, this is starting to sound, uh, <laughs> starting to sound like I might be on the uh, right path. But I mean, I'm happy to read out the nine things if you'd like me to read them out for the audience and whatnot. If that's what you'd Go like. Go for it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got it handy. Yeah, we're I here have, to I've learn. Got, uh, I've got all the, I've got everything up on the side as well. I'm like, just in case, I need to. Like, my brain just gives a fart. I've got a few cues that are just lined up. But yeah, um. Oh, sorry. Age in place. Diagnose it. Pardon. Just, just, so, just in case people don't know, what does BPD actually stand oh, sorry, for? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it stands for. Yeah, that'd be helpful, wouldn't it? Uh, it stands yeah. for uh, borderline personality disorder, which right. they tend to associate with people that seem to min-max on certain parts of things like bipolar and things like that, and can switch between personalities quite quickly. So, um, for example, like, you can be exceptionally happy for one minute and be perfectly okay and then like nothing could even trigger it sometimes and you'll just be ready to just put a hole for a wall or break down in tears or it's exhausting it is very exhausting but the nine key points are you feel very worried about people abandoning you and you can sometimes push them away because of it uh, you have intense emotions that will last from a few hours to a few days that will can again happen on a, a key flip that that was the reason they were pretty much certain it wasn't bipolar for me because they say it tends to be much longer stints but because my emotions could change very quickly from ranges mm. like that that bipolar one doesn't sound correct uh and not having a uh, strong sense of who you are so not feeling like anything you do is right or you're not fitting in with identity of any form you're sort of struggling to really find where you fit uh finding it hard to keep stable and healthy relationships uh you feel empty a lot of the time you act impulsively so binge eating uh using drugs uh engaging in harmful sexual activities without thinking uh, driving recklessly uh self-harm and suicidal feelings another one of them uh intense feelings of anger that can be extraordinarily difficult to control and uh also paranoia and disassociation so distancing yourself from even what's going on to try and process it or just not even feel like you're yourself when you're trying to cope with it. So they're the nine key things. And I uh, hit the nail on every single one of them. And it's like, oh no, oh no, it's sort of. And uh, when the doctor was like, right, okay, we, we think it's BPD, but we what we don't want you to do is go and Google it. The first thing you go and do is uh, go and Google it. Mm. And immediately you get hit with that, like, Oh no, I'm never going to be. I'm never going to be normal, am I? It's sort of it's, it's so stigmatized, and it's like everyone's like, "Oh, personality disorders. Oh, you, you're crazy. You things like that." It's, it's like, oh, oh, oh no, it's it's terrifying having that sudden drop of realization. Like, oh, this is this is actually terrifying. But yeah, when I uh, got that diagnosis, it definitely clicked. Though it was definitely sort of that feeling of like, "Huh, okay." There's, I think again, I think the important thing is with for me at least, was actually having that prime diagnosis to begin with or having something I can go, this actually feels right and being able to work around that. It's, I know it's not the same for everyone. Some people are happier not knowing, but for me, being able to see that and go, oh, I can, I can work around this now. I, I know what's there. I can actually finally seek out the help in the right way 
and yeah that was that's sort of the story for me I guess is sort of the denial the confusion the acceptance and the hopefully part I'm on now which is the getting better and improving my life touch wood so I'd just like to say two things before we yeah, go possibly. further um while we have provided um identifications of of this particular uh disorder don't use this as self-diagnosis um we're not medical yeah. professionals um and um if you have uh, a concern or uh, identify with anything that's being said please do go and see your doctor um go go to your gp go seek help because you, you don't don't be the self-diagnosis from a podcast yeah uh, <laughs> and two i know how you feel because i also was uh, uh diagnosed with a personality disorder mm -hmm. they haven't told me which one um <laughs> so i can very much identify with that entire experience of well, they actually told me to Google it. So but that's a great, great med medical profession. There, yeah. I'm sure that university training came in very handy oh, for yeah. Google. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, often there's a lot of of stigma and and um, fear associated with the mention of personality disorders. So hopefully, this will help spread some um awareness and uh, light on the matter um today um that's that's half the reason i'm here because it's very i think it's really important because i've only really recently started being able to speak out about this and sort of like i've always known that i've not been again not 100 percent there mentally and being able to actually share that with people is so important now that i've sort of mm. got more of a grasp and it's like wow it's if i've not actually found the help that i've got now and actually feel like I can talk about it in a positive light because it's not just a negative thing I can turn this into a positive thing you know I can spread awareness I can I can realize because I can be very passionate because because of it I can use that passion to try and drive doing good and better things which is huge which is it's an important thing to remember like even if you've been diagnosed with something that's pretty horrific you can still try I mean I'm, I'm just a bit of an exceptionally positive guy sometimes but being able to spin it on its head and using it to drive to do something better and change something that needs changing it's it's important it's it's a big part of hopefully being able to find my own identity as well actually mm -hmm. being able to do it so yeah um and how how long ago did you get diagnosis uh just over a year so okay it's a recent but mm. it's the it was the going through all the channels and all these different diagnoses to finally find out that I'm actually in the right space now because I that's the real the realization didn't come with just a diagnosis it was coming when I first they sign you up to group therapy a lot of the time because group therapy is important with BPD and U, uh, EUPD because actually realizing people with personality disorders talk to other people with personality disorders and you realize I'm not alone I'm not I'm not crazy that I'm not weird for feeling how I do or I'm not I'm not totally broken other people are going through this at the same time and these extremes range of emotions and it's 
because it is very lonely. I mean, as, as you say, you can identify with it. You must sometimes know it just does feel so lonely when you just feel like you're in this bubble, this awful disassociative bubble, and you're yeah. like, oh no, I, I, am I the only? Am I the only mad person? Am I? I'm, I'm going bonkers. But when you when you realise, you're like, wow, okay. And sitting in that room, speaking to all these different peoples from different walks of life, and it's like knowing that they were all feeling how I was, it's like, huh, okay, cool. I, I'm I'm on the right track, aren't I? And yeah, I'm I'm glad to hear that um, that has helped you because uh, <laughs> I, I've been waiting two years to uh, see the group therapy. <laughs> yeah, the uh, waiting lists are me. horrible. The waiting lists are yeah. horrendous. Yeah. So I got extraordinarily lucky getting in when I did. I might have had to wait another year, and with how bad I was spiraling pre-therapy I'm not even sure that would have been enough for me so I'm so lucky I got in when I did mm. I really am so did you want to say something Arth- uh... <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start calling you Arth Page because my, my brain right. wants to <laughs> say both Arth of them Page. at the same time um, you looked like you wanted to say something before no, I'm just listening because it's not something I have. Like, there's a lot of people that come on the show that I'm like, oh, I can identify with this. But uh, aside from my own like sort of uh, depression diagnosis that was diagnosed sort of atypically when I was 16 or so, there's not been a ton that I've actually mental health wise gone to the doctor for. The last time I did try and go to the doctor for anything mental health related, it was just pushed from pillar to post until they eventually did phone me and went, oh, we don't do that here. There's a place that does, but we're shutting down. Bye. And I was like, oh, okay. Guess I won't get that ADHD diagnosis then. Thank you. So it's a uh, yeah, a mm-hmm. little bit different, but yeah, at the moment, just sort of listening and and learning. It is. I'm sure we'll have more questions later. It's so exhausting because yeah. I know that exact pain being thrown for all these different loops and all these hurdles and just feeling like, do I need? Like, am I actually? Am I actually okay? I don't. You you doubt yourself. You do doubt yourself. Mm. And yes, and it is so exhausting because they're like no i need this help i actually need it and they're like yeah whatever you're, you're depressed yeah. here you guys some pills whatever just <sighs> on your bike yeah <laughs> yeah that's the only other thing i don't know whether my diet my depression diagnosis was actually correct because it presented with extreme anger not with well like, there was other sort of traditional markers and that kind of thing but the main reason i went was because it's like mm, i feel like smashing people through walls and not in the fun way like um might need some help there. And they were like, oh, depression, here's some pills. I'm like, well, they worked, but I don't know if that's actually what the problem was. Mm. Like, so yeah, I don't know, but I am glad that you actually got into some, well, got into some therapies that would help. It it is nice. And like a lot of us always do say that, you know, we've had a lot of shitty experiences, but we don't want everyone else to have those shitty experiences. We want to hear other people did have good ones. Like that's the point of advocating and, uh, doing all this kind of thing so hopefully other people see there is a bit of light so yeah it's it's, it's horrible hearing those stories because again it's like when especially when you've been through it yourself you're like i mean eight years to get there it's like some people don't can't last that some people yeah. won't have to be able to and it's 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 horrible knowing that people that really deserve the help and every every i do i genuinely think there should be therapists for even people that feel like they're perfectly healthy mentally just to mm-hmm. have someone to just check in on them you know it's it's horrible that people that really need it can just it go without it is yeah, it's more preventative yeah yeah 
more um, preventative mental health instead of sort of reactionary mental health. One hundred percent. Treat them before they snap, not yeah. you know um, after. And the thing is, this is no guarantee that you're one through one time through the uh, mental health services. They uh, um, so often uh, um, uh, point out um, is with the right person, is the right type, is accurate, is enough. It's it's very questionable, to say the least. Um, mm. Okay. Um, so let's move on to talking a little bit about how it's affected you specifically, what you've experienced and what, uh, um, how it's affected your life and then what's helped you. I think for me is again, I've only, I think the unfortunate thing for me is I realized how late in the, what I was doing and how I was doing things wrong prior, basically, because I didn't have, again, the, all the time I had to wait. I had no idea about myself basically and I had no idea about how to control these emotions better and things like that. I, I was basically a zombie at one point because the amount of medication I was on. It's like, and, but uh, I spent so many years just, again, I was pushing people away a lot out of my life. Like basically if I had a friendship or a relationship that I was like, oh, this is, this is uh, going really well. That's, that's not good. Like this, this can't be a, uh, no, this isn't good. I don't, I don't like feeling safe and comfortable. No, 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 go away. Like just, just self-sabotaging mm. most of the good things I had in my life because I didn't know how to control the positive emotions because I was so used to the negative ones. The negative ones I can almost control in a way. I go, like, oh, I feel sad or angry. Like, no, oh, I'm used to that. I'll just go lose my temper over there or yell at something or just sit here and cry. Cool, I can, I can do that. But you're making me happy or oh, you've done something nice to me. Ugh. Just throw up the crosses and the garlic, like nice, nice things, <laughs> emotions. Ugh. But I think, and then I, again, the thing that really changed for me was when I became a parent. Like I became a parent at like 21 years old and I was like, okay, I need to, uh, I really need to double down on trying to get the help that I need because it was not, it was a, obviously anyone that's a parent can attest. It is an exhausting job. And doing that on top of having a personality disorder, trying to raise a screaming, yelly human being. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's like a little version of me. Oh, no, that this needs to get better because <laughs> that, was, that was the thing that really pushed for it for me. Because it was like, wow, like every, my boy is the most important thing to me. I need to get better, not just for me, but for him too. Mm. And being on the edge so many times, like, no, there, there's got to be a way of getting there. And yeah, that was, that was the real turning point for me, I think. Um, out of interest, um, was, um, uh, having a kid planned? Was it? Uh, ish and ish, sort of like, um, just because my, it, I feel like this might highlight along the relationship thing quite, um... yeah, it, <laughs> at the time it was sort of, it was a ish and ish thing because my, my partner at the time had, uh, had two very nasty miscarriages, but like she'd always definitely wanted to be a mum, and I definitely wanted to be a dad, but I knew I wasn't sort of ready when the third time rolled around the, the lucky charm. I was like, I should probably just snap back a little bit. Sure enough, the second that you want things to uh, not happen, ding, there we go. Like, <laughs> okay, right, this is another hurdle, but I'm so used to jumping over the blinking things. I'm going to just go for it because I'm a stubborn bugger. But <laughs> yeah, it's sort of, 
yeah, it was a sort of ish accident, ish not. So yeah. sort of like we wanted it to happen eventually, just probably not the time it did, but yeah. <laughs> um and was that an easy decision for you? I mean, in a way, yes and no, because it was happening regardless. Like I knew it was an encroaching thing that was going to happen nine months from when you get told <laughs> ding yeah. guess what but it's sort of like uh i think for me it was definitely a, it was also a good wake-up call because again it's been when you get to those dark spaces so often and you realize you spend a lot of time comfortable in them dark spaces like oh no this this isn't how we like I, I don't want my little boy to be anything like how i've been like i want that boy to grow up happy and healthy and and thankfully like he's 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 four now and that he's the happiest most jovial little little boy in the world i'm like oh, i've done something right I've, I've done good you know and his mother's done good and it's like thank thank god it's so nice because i just want him to be so happy and healthy and not go through some of the things i did when i was his age you know and have to try and grow up in a pretty dark and horrible world i had to grow up very quick and i don't want him to have to go through that as well you know mm. so touch wood yeah um i had another question and my brain just left again um <laughs> how, yeah, how have you back. found it um difficult after becoming a parent to um explain uh your behaviors and um reactions to a child that's what i was going for there. yeah <laughs> it's 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 hard like i do try and put on a mask a lot of the time when i'm with my boy like because obviously me and his mother are separated now i do when i do see him i'm very lucky i have i have a friend that's an absolute angel and he's pretty much if i ever need him he'll always be there and sort of always be like right cool if you're having a minute mate just go on through just go give yourself five minutes and check yourself out like that's the thing i've and now i've got better at not pushing people away that care about me and i've got this amazing circle of friends that have all seen me like lift myself up from literal hospitalizations from mistakes i'd made to actually being a functioning father and not trying to pull my hair out every day which is <laughs> which is uh it's i'm very blessed in that regard i don't know how i'd be able to do it without the help i get in honesty i really don't but the odd times it's like it's it's hard trying to sort of explain to a four-year-old sort of like daddy's just not feeling daddy's not just feeling right at the minute you know i just daddy just needs a minute just to have a quick breath and, and again thankfully he's such a grown-up little boy anyway he's so well spoken and so happy he's like that's okay daddy like i, I want to watch this like okay that's that's good and this sort of like gives me a minute to just <laughs> I mean, he's probably going to be a nightmare teenager because I dodged the rough, rough, terrible <laughs> too. So, sixteen years old, he's going to be a nightmare. Mm. Granted, but <laughs> I mean, when I when I when I grew up with my dad, he sounds very much like you sound that you were, and like my dad's got a, a fair few diagnoses of various things. But he was one of those that could switch emotions on a dime, and uh, it was a little difficult to deal with, but. When he actually started telling us the truth and explaining the situation, it became a hell of a lot easier to deal with. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I'm not going to tell you how to parent or anything, yeah. but I, I, I know probably a little bit of how it feels to be your boy. And 
we it's not as it's not as scary as you might think it seems to us like yeah it's a little confusing sometimes but the minute my dad actually sat down and went I'm in pain here's what's happening when I, I get angry or you know here's what's actually happening where I just need to go off that way for five minutes it's like yeah. it suddenly started to make so much more sense it was just like oh dad's actually not well dad's not just grumpy because I didn't pick those books up you know it's like th this has made a lot more sense but yeah I will say like your son is going to be blessed knowing that is is dad sort of grown up being able to actually talk about these kinds of things i wish that my dad was able to or felt he was able to talk about them when we were even younger than we were it was only when i sort of started getting to teens that he started to explain a little bit more and i was like oh, i wish you had just told me the truth and i was like six because i already yeah. knew this shit when i was six i saw one of the twin towers come down like i understood some of the shit this world went through like mm. share it a little bit so that you know even with a kid a, a, you know a problem shared is a problem halved and like i didn't need to know the nitty gritty but it made everything started to make so much more sense when i understood how and why my, but i understood my parents were human i think that yeah. was the main bit that they stopped being just you know infallible mum and dad and they became other people that needed help oh that's definitely well, like, i definitely agree because yeah bless I, I love my dad to bits but he <laughs> is pants at emotions <laughs> he grew up in that sort of generation where it's like uh, it's emotional things like band-aids yeah. like cuts would be you know like they didn't yeah. really have the same mental health know-how as we do nowadays mm. and like he's only trying to just get into the mental health services himself and he's near 60 now because he's like oh i should i've probably got P <laughs> i've got probably got ptsd i went through some horrible crap and yeah like he's only just realizing that at 60 years old that oh hang on a minute like wow i actually went through a lot and I was never able to show that because back then it's like, oh yeah, I'll whatever, I'll just go have a bottle of beer and I'll be all right, sort of thing. And it's just like, oh, I don't want my little boy to ever feel like he can't just be unhappy or angry or anything yeah. like that. I'd not feel like he just can't come to me and speak to me if he ever feels sad, you know. That's again, and now my dad's getting better with it. It's it's like, I'm 26 now, dad, but I do appreciate that you're still now doing it. And, you know, it's sort of like the old times where he's like, oh, I love you, son, or I'm proud of you, things like that. Like, I wish yeah. I'd have heard them earlier, but knowing he can say them now, this genuinely yeah. still makes me feel so much better. Yeah, it's never too late to learn these things. And yeah, like my dad will still be like, oh, I'm all right. And I'm like, dad, tell me how you actually are. And he's like, well, and I'm like, well, there we go. Like, I know it was shitty to say, but. Now we can actually talk about it and maybe yeah. it'll make it a little bit easier. Like, yeah, it's like, I get it as well. Cause there's so, some days where it's just easier to say, I'm fine. Cause you don't, you don't have to go into it, but other people know you're not fine. So <laughs> at that point it's just, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's especially scary because again, with BPD in particular, it's such a complex set of heavy emotions a lot of the time it's so much easier for my because i've got a lot of friends that are so happy natured it's like i yeah. don't want to just sit there and just go actually you know in my head there's this dark twisted forest of just misery and pain and nothing but and i don't want them to go okay mate like <laughs> just, like, i don't i don't want to just i'm like yeah i'm just feeling a little bit down like sometimes that'll be like their way of knowing like cool he's in that space just mm. just be there for him and make him a cup of tea if he needs it like <laughs> so you definitely say communication is important then just understanding yeah. what other people mean when they say what they say. Oh, yeah. I think the important thing, if you have any friends or family with BPD or EUPD, is to 
be able to try and understand it the best you can because sometimes it is easier to comfort them in a way where you don't unpick everything sometimes you just need to know they're just in a darker spot and just being there is actually even enough in itself just being there for them and supporting them through it helping them know that they they haven't alienated you yeah <laughs> but because of how they are uh responding to something mm-hmm. um which is yeah. i f- i feel uh one of my key things is i actually generally have this uh, thing on on the internet as well is a case of i won't i won't jump on on things and i won't talk to people and i won't say things purely because that mentality goes round of well if you say something then oh it's stupid or oh it, uh, i'll upset them oh well they, they won't like it anyway oh they're ignoring me so obviously it is and then it's just it's that vicious cycle um which is quite often um uh, mentioned in mental health support um uh for uh understanding your emotions and uh, uh where they come from and how they affect your actions and <laughs> yeah it's that it's that kind of constant cycle of uh, self-sabotage your own emotions and your own interaction. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely that constant fear of being judged for every little thing you say and do when you've got a personality disorder. And sometimes, it, again, with the BPD thing, it's like it can be both ends. Of sometimes it's like, I actually don't give a rat's ass what people do. So I'll say or do <laughs> something so emotionally in the moment that I'm like, oh, I'm going to bite those words later down the line aren't i or the other end where it's like i will just not say a thing and people won't know and it'd be like okay cool you know do you find that you often have two extremes oh uh, yeah yeah i'm it's zero and a hundred are great areas for me one to 99 pff, rubbish absolute, <laughs> absolute yeah. rubbish yeah basically I, I i can i can feel that <laughs> i've got real blunt says nothing at all <laughs> I think that's been the biggest thing we're learning to deal with BPD is that is learning to try and be happier in the 50s, trying to sort of be much more content that sometimes things will go slowly or sometimes you you don't need to go all the way or none at all. Sometimes you can just go and just try and comfort people normally or sometimes you can just do things normally and it's like normal, normal. What's what's normal? And you're so used to that word being used like that. And it's like, oh, no, but I don't know what normal is when this has been my normal. but it's 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 something isn't it it's trying to learn to uh not just a hundred or zero someone all the time it's it's tricky normal was just cooked up to sell things pretty much yeah (laughs) so they didn't have to make uh uh, uh, um different sizes for uh different people and (laughs) no diversity needed when normal is the thing everyone should strive for um she says in massive air quotes (laughs) Um, so what has actually, so you said that, uh, your, um, uh, support network has been a big, um, factor into, uh, helping you through this. Has there been anything else that has, um, helped you deal with this and learn about yourself? Uh, well, yeah, I think 
therapy again was the biggest one for me that since starting group therapy even in the like I think I've been doing it for about four months now and even then in that time it's like wow you sort of like I don't know what it is but when someone else says about a feeling that they're going through and you're in a space where every feeling's valid and you're valid for feeling any little thing you're feeling I think being able to see someone else that's the same as you sort of say something you've you've been really heavily sitting on and you can sit there and go if their feelings are valid and we're sitting there saying they're valid it's the same for myself as well you know it's that was a huge part of it for me seeing all those other people with similar emotional ranges talk about them so openly and them being supported through them it's like they can be supported through them and this mean i can too because it's me too it's part of me and yeah that's definitely been a huge one but i think also seeing how much that the few people that i do really have in my inner circle care about me as well has also been another one of the huge important things for me as well like when i've had friends that have definitely seen me at my horrific work worse just look at me and go I ain't moving until you've got some help right now. Deal with it. Like I'm, I'm a big dude. I'm, I'm six foot seven. And I'm built like a shed. And when you got, and I've got these friends that are five seven. Look at me, going. I will knock you on your ass if you do not sit here and let me get you some help. It's, it's like, that's like, I've, it's the shows that just love me so much. And it's like, wow, like I've got these people that truly, truly care about me and want to do what's best for me. Ha- again, it's so important to touch base with yourself and realize that you've actually got so many people around you that care about you and even online it's like even in my server i've got even when i do my streaming just having people just come in and like i'm making a small difference in so many people's lives and it's like huh you have to sometimes sit there and realize that you have to go oh like all these people actually do think about me even if it's in a trivial way or a, a they care about you way and having to accept that is hard when you're a stubborn bugger and you like pushing people away but it's you know it's it's hard it's really hard but it's been a lot of lot of acceptance i think's the important thing with this diagnosis because usually to get bpd or eupd it's usually through uh like traumatic things growing up or through rough upbringings or a lot of a lot of um times not being properly cared about or a lot of dark periods and it tends to be where it, all the darker thoughts can spurn from and uh yeah the i think the important thing for my recovery has been actually sitting down with myself and being a little bit fairer on myself and going you know what you you may have made some mistakes at times and you've you know you've lashed out and you've done stupid things but you've actually somehow fought through all the horrible horrible crap you've been through to get to these points so it's just about being a bit kinder for my to myself as well as you know <laughs> um i i asked this question with no um expectation of answer um oh, go ahead. uh it's only if you're comfortable talking about it 100%. Um, we've talked a lot about improvement how has it manifested for you in your, you mentioned your your worst times how has that manifested for you do you mean like um 
where was my lowest roughly and how I managed to pull out of it or I, well just what what is that for you because for everyone it's different for for some it's it's you know completely self-sabotaging all of their life so you know losing their job lose you know uh, um uh, losing all of their uh, um uh, uh, support network um um others it's more of a physical um yeah. uh, response um some it's just crutches um so yeah no that's fair um or trigger warning here now obviously then if we're going to this sort of things a heads up but sort of um for me i sort of i've self-sabotaged a lot in a loads of different ways i've uh basically forced like romantic and friendship relationships to end through just being an absolute bastard just because i'd be easier thought it'd be easier on the people i cared about if they didn't have to deal with me i've attempted suicide several times through cutting and overdosing and things like that i've i deliberately drink a lot sometimes just so I can just feel something that's just not what's going up there. I'll I'll eat a lot just because comfort food just makes me feel better and just like don't give a crap about my weight when I do secretly down. It's like but you know, sort of knowing that some people have had to see me in those spaces, it's like it's it's horrible. I think again, and that was another thing that sort of made me realise I needed to get better. I had a I had a friend turn up who just saw me open the door just pale as a sheet, like blood running down my arms. He's like, nah, nah there is no way in hell, mate. I am. I was like, just, just go home, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm just having a bad day. He's like, there is no way in hell I am not coming in right now. So you get your ass in there. We're getting you some help, whether you like it or not. Again, support networks are pretty much crucial with personality disorders because, uh, yeah, needing you kind of do need that validation. It's, it's, it's hard because being left on your own devices when it's almost like having almost other personality playing around with your head, like. I sometimes say I've got little idiot plays sitting up there sometimes just taking hold of the steering wheel like right we're going to do something stupid today and I think a lot for me has been uh being better at going right idiot we're we're going to take over this driving seat and you can go back into the passenger for a bit you ain't you ain't doing this and yeah it's 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 mm. I don't know I it's sort of the thing for me I've, I I put on a hell of a positive front because it's just how I like being conceived I like people to just think I'm normal with the massive air quotes but uh yeah <laughs> but um that's the thing for me it's like the, i try and almost have this because i believe in a way if you can smile through things and laugh through things and help other people through things i think it does actually rub off on yourself as well so trying to be more of a positive influence in other people's life like my friends my sons and even strangers i think is that's half the way i've helped pull myself out of it because if i feel like i'm doing something good i'm almost validating my existence in a weird way you know i know it sounds crazy but no it doesn't it doesn't really doesn't it's one of those things and unfortunately it's one of those things i heard initially doing retail which uh, explains why they want you to learn it but smiling at yourself in the mirror even though some it might start with you crying and being like oh fuck no thank you eventually seeing a smiling face actually does start causing you to smile as well which will release chemicals that help you feel a little bit better like it's almost manipulating yourself into feeling the way you want to feel. That's, that's a lot about uh, the recovery sort of thing as well. It's like a lot of it for me has been scientific as well, sort of like looking yeah. up all these different things that can triggering uh, can trigger better reactions from your mind, like or like 
meditation and things like that. But I've, again, I grew up with someone that was like, oh, that's all just juju. That is nice. No, it's all right. Like, just go outside, boy. You'll be fine. Like, you know, sort of. But, um, yeah. Like, it's sort of been Sorry, I'm not laughing at no, you. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing. That's my dad's voice. He's it's part of an old London sort of stuff. <laughs> I'm laughing like... because I heard exactly the same. So... <laughs> but it's, it was one of those things, though, isn't it? It's sort of like you do grow up with that almost, it gets put into your own mind. What your parents do and your, the people around you do will rub off on you. So you sort of grow up thinking, oh, that's all juju. You spend a lot of time going, oh, yeah, that's, that's just a load of rubbish. You know, I don't, mm. I don't need to do that, whatever. But I think that's another thing the healing for me has been like, huh, okay, no, these things actually do help. Sometimes sitting down there for 10, 15 minutes and just just, just going home, as they say, you know, it sort of can help. Or lighting a scent and just trying to smell something that's just not a normal smell. All these different things. And it's really important for people to actually, I think, actually spend more time looking at the sort of more scientific side of all these things because it's all so helpful and you... If you spend so much time sort of uh, putting it back, you actually don't realize how useful some of it is. I sort of sit there going, I used to take the piss out of people that did yoga and, and meditation. What I love that crap now. I love sitting there just like stretching nicely and going, oh, just listen to some relaxing music. It's like, I used to sit there going, wow, why would you do that? What's that for? Like, <laughs> it's being very open, I think. It's just a matter of being open to everything that could help because not everything's going to work for everyone. Uh -oh. But. Sorry. All these things. <laughs> you okay? These two fight, and normally when they fight, I bleed, so don't. <laughs> but if I move, they'll notice each other and it'll go really bad, so I'm kind of sat in the middle of a time bomb. <laughs> Luckily, Io seems obsessed with you at the minute, Blaze. She's just staring at you on the camera, so that's good. Yeah, you got a new friend. Yeah, oh god, she's seen him on the camera now. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Oh, dear. I'll be all, all waiting in anticipation for this. We'll get to do a first aid session on stream. How to deal with a cut. Okay. Um, so, my next question is, um, do you find people treat you differently before or after your diagnosis? I think, for me, I've been quite, again, I'm lucky because my circle's quite small. Like my friends have always knew there's sort of been, I needed something like diagnosis wise or help or something wise. They were always quite understanding. I think the people it has been harder for are my older relatives, where they're sort of like, again, they've grown up very much the, oh, the you know, mental health isn't a thing. Just, but as I sort of do feel like I choose carefully who I tell now when it comes to like my family and things like that. Cause it's like, if they're not going to understand it or that's not important to them, I'm not going to sit there and try and explain it to someone that is not going to make a difference to but again for my my friends were actually more happy for me than sad when i got my diagnosis again they were like finally we know you've been waiting on that for ages we know that you've you needed it cool awesome you're still our friend you're still totally normal like in our eyes anyway you know i think i think that was another thing that was so good for me like i've been i have been extraordinarily lucky because again i've been surrounded by such loving and caring individuals that have just never <laughs> never sort of sat there and gone yeah whatever but the ones that really stuck by have been like yeah cool that that's you mate we, we we don't give a crap that you got that label we we know that you can sometimes be sad or sometimes you'll have these outbursts or you know that's just part of you we, we're still your friends you ain't gonna push us away we're too stubborn for that so 
you know, I've, I've, I've been very lucky. I have been very lucky. The only thing it is probably going to affect me for is when I tried to find more full-time work again and things like that, because there is still that stigmatism. Like again, you see personality disorder, you see liability a lot of the time. When some of the kindest and friendliest and hardest working people I've ever met have been people with mental health problems or personality disorders. So it's just such yeah. a horrible stigmatism. I'd, so I think all three of us are rough, well, roughly in the same age group. Um, and I definitely think it's our Well, Track, how old are you? 32. On, 32. Yeah, well, I'm 27. He's, what, 25? 26. 26 now. There you go. Close enough. It's fine. We're all in the same generation anyway. Um, and I definitely think our generation has been a little bit more accepting of each other's mental health. I do tend to find more trouble comes from the generation above, unfortunately. Um, but I do very much disagree with the idea that, oh, well, they just don't understand. It's fine. It's like, no, 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 it's not fine. Because I see people say this. Sorry, I'm a little bit of a side tangent here, but I will get back to the actual point. But people will say this about things like racism. It's just like, oh, they grew up in a different time. It was like, oh, yes, and I was born in the last fucking century. It doesn't make anything different. Like, yeah. I think, we, well, and I'm glad your dad, as you said, has gone and actually realized, hmm, mental health is something I could work on to be happier and actually tell my son I love him. Because I think if everyone's got a level of mental health, whether it's good, bad, needs help, is in need of serious immediate intervention, or whether there's just not much going on there. And if it's just pretty chill, then great. But I do think our generation has been a lot more chill towards each other. And I do wonder if that's because of, and I'm taking this line directly from Blaze, uh, because of our previous generation's emotional constipation. Yeah. Because they don't talk about it a lot. And we're the, I think we're the generation that's finally started to grow up going, wait, they didn't talk about it, but other people do. Like, what the, what? What's happening now? Like, why can't we talk about this? And only because I think we are, that the older generations are starting to talk about it a little bit more. Same reason as you'll get people going, oh, well, there's a lot more of those gays about now. And it's like, well, yes, because we're not beating them up in the streets, you know, all the time for, for being outwardly gay. It's a lot more acceptable now. I wonder why that is. It, it Yeah, it really does frustrate me that, we're having to work for ourselves and the people older than us and make sure the bloody pathway is laid for those younger than us as well. And then get labelled snowflakes. Oof, that fucking term. Oof. Oof. The issue with it is, is it's sort of made such a horrible dichotomy between those two groups though sometimes. I think that's why mm. things do get so fierce nowadays is yeah. because there seems to be this stubborn group trying to hold on to how things were and a group of people so passionate about moving things forward and actually moving on as a yeah. society, you know? It's, I, it's, it, it reminds it sort of makes me think of cavemen trying to learn how to use fire and somebody <laughs> like no don't use fire uh, and they're just trying to club each other just because they want to use fire sort of thing you know one of us once and so we can never look at it again yeah like, okay i don't know whether or not it's actually um an attempt um for most of them to hold on to it is the thing um if i mean i hope that my grandparents aren't the uh uh majority here um because of some of the things that they come out with but uh, <laughs> but it's more of a can't be bothered to change yeah. than a than a viciously trying to hold on to it because they 
enjoy thinking that way it's it's more it is very much seems to be more of a like oh well we're too old now to change and that's where the whole grew up in a different time justification comes from i feel is just that aspect of can't be bothered to to try and evolve yeah and there is still something to that grew up in a different time like that is a legitimate thing because I mean, so I'm going to use a TV show to give an example here, but I've been watching, I just finished watching Peaky Blinders, which I loved. And that was set sort of between 1919 and it's going to, I think, end around 1945 because it runs between the wars. Um, but when you, when you listen to them and they're like, oh, so you're going to get on a boat to America, it'll take you about three weeks and you'll be there. And I'm like, oh my God, you could just take an overnight flight to America now and it's like okay we need to get a letter so you're gonna have to get on a boat take it there then somebody's dog will find you and then you and it's like okay that's just to say that you know you owe me a penny like nowadays something can happen in uh i'm trying to think i don't know russia middle of russia and i can hear about it on a tweet seconds later so i can understand that it suddenly seems like there's a lot more information a lot quicker and people are expected to grow and change with it but that is just how the world's going and fuck it, their generation created most of this tech. So come on, like, come on, fucking get in there, would you? And like, yes, old dogs can very much new, uh, learn new tricks. It's just, yeah. Sorry, I kind of just completely nicked your point there, but it, it got me thinking for a moment. Yeah, well, um, it was um, the example that comes to mind for me is um, trying to explain to my grandma how to deal with grief. Um, her her excuse for not going to seek help or or access the uh, helplines that she was given was, oh well, your granddad went to one of those once. He didn't know what to talk about, so I won't be going. <laughs> um, but she doesn't know how to deal with her feelings mm. so she's spending a lot of her time trying very hard to squash them down and not think about them and i think that highlights very much why we need to make it more normal to mm. talk about mental health and more normal to go seek um uh, um help for for a range of things it doesn't have to be for the fact that you're you know have a mental health issue it's it it could just be that you're having quite a bit of stress uh, at work the, uh, at this point or or you're dealing with grief i mean grief in itself is is a whole whole bunch of emotions that is capable of of um uh, resulting in death um from the extremeness of the the emotions it's it's something that we should normalize definitely um but yeah that was <laughs> that yeah, was just where i, I was going with should, that one <laughs> yeah that's why i say we should move to actually try and seek out mental health like as a preventative thing as well as a fixual thing because if, again if you can you can a lot of the time you get a lot of these uh you get signs you do you get signs that are like oh i'm just starting to feel a little bit more or oh i'm waking up a little bit later each day or oh i ate more than i normally eat you know you get all those little <laughs> signs sometimes having 
someone to talk to early about that and try and express like some of these things you've har like you've harbinged a little bit, you can prevent it almost. You can prevent the awful things that can happen later down the line if you again it's the emotional constipation as you put it you sometimes you just need an emotional laxative i guess I, so. was, I was going to mention earlier that i saw how you managed to get constipation into the uh discussion again. it's all right we had a chat about it when you went yeah. and uh, dp'd so yeah <laughs> it's all right oh. i always know when i'm getting really stressed because i have to do something to my hair so it's no wonder that i've recently cut it all off again <laughs> but it's it's one of those things that I learned to, I learned very much that was one of the ways I controlled how I felt about my emotions and myself uh, it was just do something to your hair, makes you feel fresh it's almost like moving around something in your lounge it's like this feels tidier and rearranged perhaps my thoughts could be tidier and rearranged like, I don't is, know that is very relatable for me Yeah. anytime I feel slightly stressed i'm like right i need to go change clothes or i'm like oh that bit yeah. of furniture should go over there now or just anything that's just going to be like mm -hmm. right don't deal with these emotions right now let's just yeah. uh <laughs> i've got go like three this. different layers of nail polish on right now because it's like hmm, red doesn't work orange orange doesn't work black black fixes all so um the only other point i wanted to bring up was what you said about work um because i think it is very much a, a relevant point is that work has changed a lot as well like even when i was 18 and trying to get a job my dad was like well, go in with the cv and give it to the person i'm like what person the person paid minimum wage to be here who's probably stoned and doesn't want to be there and uh no, no. and he's like well go in i'm like i this is literally not how any of this works but trying to get a job and holding down a job these days is so freaking ableist yeah it's very very difficult jobs are not meant to um not meant to uh, discriminate based on uh, well mental health, physical health, all that kind of thing. But you will often find that once they've asked the question, generally under a, a, a friendly guise of just wanting to be supportive, they'll say that you suddenly don't have a qualification that you need or just, oh, well, this could be a problem for me. And it's happened once in, in my working time where I was looking forward to doing some travel for work and my boss told me, oh, but what about your disability? And it was like, why are you bringing that up as a problem when we've not even had a discussion like that's actually just you've already told me that i can't do something based on your perception and so i can't imagine how it must be with something like bpd which is going to present very differently depending on well i guess day to day or hour to hour or minute to minute yeah but i mean other people i yeah, can people... rant non-stop yeah. about how uh, um uh the uh i'm so angry that they aren't keeping remote and working from home um, as a more valid norm because that's what's stopping me from getting a job. And it's like, well, you know, you're telling uh, all of uh, the disabled people to get jobs. You just get some we can do. You've just taken it away again. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's definitely frustrating because the world proved that it could do things in a much more able friendly way and a lot more disability friendly way and then as soon as they could cut it off and stop spending that money they're they're working on it which is such a problem it's such a problem and uh, it's so annoying it really it, is it really so frustrates me it really frustrates me because there are so many jobs that you don't need to be doing from an office you really do not and you've, they've already got all the computers and stuff like that. Like, 
most of us come with our own gear these days because it's how we actually stay connected to the world. And... I was going to say, my kit here is far more su uh, superior than anything that they ever gave me at the NHS, that's for sure. And trust me, it can definitely analyze sequence data heck ton better than they can. Windows 98. <laughs> so they've still got my local doctors. I, th so. I think that's another thing as well as the... Uh, uh, oh, hang on, my brain just sort of did a fraggle there. Sorry about that. Okay. It's uh, you sort of... I think when, especially under the job center as well, when you've got mental health problems in particular as well, it's sort of like, like, oh, why can't you just go work in Sainsbury's? Why can't you just go work with other people? And sometimes like, especially with like, it's hard to say to them because working with other people is hard for someone that can sometimes miss social cues or someone that can seem happy one second to be angry the next, you know, no one's going to want to go up to someone stacking shelves in Sainsbury's and then turn around and go, bugger off, I'm having a minute. Like, you know, it's, you don't want to sort of keep getting yourself put into these situations. It's like, they wouldn't tell you to go be a professional cyclist when you have no legs or something. So why would they make you try and do something with people if you're bad with like people sort of skills, if that makes sense? Like, Somebody once of... asked my mum who has one leg if her other leg would get better. It was put in a fire when she was seven because it was removed at a hospital. So probably not. And if it does, somebody get Hollywood on the line because we need that for the next like Halloween sequel. Sheesh. I mean, it's. Yeah, I, this, I, sorry. Go, go on, go on. Sorry. It's just relating to the previous point as well, though, that there's so much in this, the older generations where this wasn't, we're, like, we're getting so much better at talking about it amongst ourselves, but it's still the older generations who are running the companies and the monopolies and the big businesses. And, you know, our own prime minister is, what, 60 odd, 70, I don't even know. And most of the people on the benches are 70, 80. And, it's those old-fashioned views trying to be applied to a modern world that doesn't work. And like you mentioned the job centre, but to get to the job centre, you have to prove that you've applied for X number of jobs. You have to physically go there to sit in a waiting room with a bunch of other people. My local one has a ramp that you can get up. It's about 20 foot long. So if you actually try and wheel yourself up a ramp that's 20 foot long, you'll be dead by the time you get to the top. They're like, it's... it's the The current system isn't built with disability in mind which is and that's in that's in any kind of thing that stops you being able to do the norm as yeah. it were so because obviously i don't know whether you would class yourself as dis disabled i know i do so it's just it's it's really frustrating because like most of us want to work and pay our way yeah. like that that's not the problem here the problem is you want bloody letters <laughs> It's interesting because they do, they put you under so much pressure to like get out of the job center by going to any job basically without actually thinking, oh, you're just going to end up back here in three months time when they lay you off because you've had a breakdown or you've missed days because you've been physically unwell or can't even leave your bed or, you know, you, it's, they don't think about that. They, they, they just expect, they expect a lot of you. Like, and again, I think with mental health and physical health, they sort of, like my dad has emphysema, like a screwed up heart and things like that. And they were like, oh, why can't you go do 40 hours of lifting 15 kilogram cement sacks around a yard all day? It's like, it's, they were like, yeah, no, go off you go. You didn't apply for that job. So we're not going to pay you. It's like, yeah, he's coming up for 60 and he's got emphysema. And it's like, wow, like how out of touch do you have to be? Like it, that doesn't take a wizard, surely. You don't need to sit there and look at him and go, yeah, that, that's probably a job for them, you know? <laughs> And those yeah those jobs aren't meant to last for years as well like yeah. not everybody can take 
that much punishment as it were and yes some people can but that there are different jobs for different people and there's so much work that always needs doing and there's always so many different like saying oh we don't have enough people in it's like well could you get some it's like nah it costs money pretty much i mean the amount Horrible. of family members that i have that basically have been done in by manual labor in mm -hmm. their work environments and therefore have had to have plenty of operations on their knees um because of it uh it just demonstrates that those things are not meant to be done long term um but on the respect of you know those kind of jobs aren't meant for people who are suffering from physical mental uh, um uh, um uh, uh health issues um <laughs> the last time i worked in a uh, um uh a customer service uh front facing a a pub um i um had a breakdown and uh, ended up cr uh, 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 crying and just leaving and refused to go back because it was so bad yeah been there <laughs> oh, it's not, not that i wasn't physically capable yeah at the time it was that there's certain things that you, not everyone has the the capacity to do well, deal with uh, uh, 30 drunk uh, people uh, um, <laughs> at 12 o'clock at night. Um, and that's that should be understandable. That should be, it's like, it's, it requires a certain level of, of not giving a shit um, to be able to deal with situations like that and to expect someone to be able to walk into the job center and come out with some sort of uh, um, uh, customer service job and that big grand and that's you fixed is is mind-boggling honestly yeah it, it should be something they just implement into the job hunting system in general is a much better way for people with mental health to actually get because again mental health just because you have mental health problems don't mean you're lazy most people with mental health want to work full-time they want to be able to go yeah cool i can do this as a job i can do this but you just they just don't have the patience for it they don't have the time to sit there and they they won't make the time more than not having the time they won't hire the people or find the opportunities that are more suitable and it's it's just not it's not right it isn't yeah it is ableist and it's awful I do have a question uh, for Blaze related more to BPD, and then I'll, I'll let us get back to your list, Jack. Um, but it's more just thinking, because uh, you were talking about when you had a particularly uh, dark period and your, your friend came and basically s demanded that they stay with you to, to help you out. Um, so a lot of people have first aid training uh, or offer first aid training, because even you know in a shop, you are legally required to have a first aider on the scene and that kind of thing. But there's not a lot of people that have mental health first aid training. I only know myself and two or three other people that have it. Do you think that it would be easier for you to be in a working environment if more sort of jobs made, yeah. you know, having a mental health first aider on every team at the same time as a first aider, whether that's the same person or not? You know, do you think that would actually help? Would you feel safer? Like 100%. Yeah, absolutely. It's it. I mean, it should just be a thing, really, shouldn't it? Again, yeah. now we're in a society that is slightly more accepting of mental health, it should be a thing, really, shouldn't it? Like, being able to feel like there's someone that you can talk to at any point is important, really. 
it's mm. it's it's, it's, it's crucial. It really is crucial. But because they complain that you go for a week off work, but you don't feel like you can tell them it's because you've had a nervous breakdown or you know things like that. It's preventative again, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Thing is, yeah. is that that course. Um, I don't know whether it's the same one that um, that you took. It's the cost. Yes, is an absolute joke. Everyone should have the uh, the uh, capability of accessing that kind of course. Mm. Everyone should be able to get that training. It's not something that should be charging out the wazoo to get it because that restricts yeah. it. And multiple workplaces that, you know, or, or individuals in general, people who do volunteer work, it will benefit from having that kind of uh, education. But they're, they're basically limiting it to big companies that can um, uh, justify that cost. I am wondering whether you sort of, when you do get more customers, though, that might be able to drive the price down a little bit more or when you get lots of sign up, but not a lot of people able to pay the course. So, yes, I got my course for free uh, because I was in the games industry at the time. It was a massive office and there was need for it. You go through a lot of stress in a, in a, in a games development studio and there was a need of it, essentially. Yeah. Um, but I wish I'd had it for previous jobs where we essentially thought that, you know, people were coming drunk or trying to cause trouble when they, you know, were having some serious issues and could have, you know, a bit of mental health help would have been better at recognising that than thinking they were just a drunk. Or maybe they were drunk, but that wasn't the reason they were crying in the shop, you know. So yeah. it is one that I think it's worth looking around to seeing if your workplace subsidises it. But I do think more workplaces, it would be better and more... F- well, friendlier towards the people that you work with and for just general situations to have somebody trained in mental health first aid. And yes, it is expensive. If you do have the ability to go on it, I do think it is a good course because although the license only lasts for two or three years, the you know information lasts a lot longer than that. Um, but yeah, it's just good. Yeah, I know I did a little bit about sort of BPD and it was more about emergency situations and more... do you deal with this and yeah i think your friend did exactly the right thing it's like i'm staying and i ain't going anywhere and you can continue doing what you're doing but i'm physically inserting myself into this space to stop any major danger or to be a lifeline to somebody else that can actually help which is yeah and again trigger warning for words but that's what you do with a suicidal person it's what are you gonna do do you have a plan where is your stuff i'm taking the stuff i'm going to sit here and wait and we're going to wait. And if you can't talk, we're going to get you somebody that can. And if you're hurt, I can then go to the first aid training I've also done and help you there. But it, yeah, for most people, you are exactly right, Drac. It is, you know, that's a hell of a lot of money. I mean, it's a hell of a lot of money. Think about how that kind of training could help save someone's life. Mm-hmm. That could help create people who are comfortable with with uh, um uh working because they ha- know that there is a support network in place they feel safer they feel understood they feel mm-hmm. seen so many people uh, um don't have like a support network at home and having access to something like that at their workplace will allow them to not only keep their job but also have someone to go to when they absolutely need it. Yeah. 
and and to to price that to a point where not anyone who is interested in in seeking education to help others is yeah. a real shame honestly another thing to also add to uh, um things i wish they trained us in school um <laughs> Well, yeah, there's a massive list of things that they should teach in school, really, isn't there? Although um, there is a younger member of my community. There's only one one young lad who's allowed in my in my streams because he's literally there with express permission of his dad, who also watches the stream sometimes, which is very sweet. But I do ask him about school sometimes. He, he has told me that some lessons they've had have actually talked about mental health, which is never something That's I ever had. Huge. Like, And apparently they've had, you know, sex ed classes, a couple of them so far. And it was like, wow. Jesus, wow, that's awesome. Like, so maybe things are starting to change. And again, I do know a lot of more people in our age bracket are becoming teachers now, like fully like licensed and educated teachers. So hopefully those conversations will be more available for, for younger people and we can only just keep making this easier. Yeah. This world gets more and more stressful by the year. It really does, <laughs> but things just do seem to be getting worse and worse. It's but yeah. it's, it's so much more important that we actually equip the younger generation with the tools to actually deal with them. Like we actually have an opportunity here to pretty much like stent off the wound and actually help people that are younger with their emotions, more things like that. Now we know better. Now we've got a lot more understanding. Like we've understand a lot more about mental health, even this last 15, 20 years, the advances they've made scientifically and mm. emotionally with understanding it is massive. It's just, they just don't want to put the money in. Yeah. Like, and yeah. Hopefully if we equip the kids more, there'll be less and less darker days because everyone will be a bit more emotionally intelligent to actually uh, talk out some issues. <laughs> it's like watching the film, just going, just have a fucking conversation. It would fix this entire thing. Oh, no, nope, they've, they've punched each other. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that is that is just watching everything that the British government does. It's sort of like it's like watching like uh like Friday the thirteenth and just watching the idiot child go like teenager school guy. Go, oh, I'm gonna walk into this dark shed where the, the murder's clearly in there. It's just like no, don't do it, don't do it. The the obvious answer's right there, and you just mm -hmm. like straight into the shed. Of course, like, yeah. that's yeah. been sort of the mental health sector in the UK the last few years. So it's been very reactive and not prevent preventative, and we need mm -hmm. more preventative discussion and measures so that. You know, you don't have to get to breaking point before you can actually feel that you're worthy to ask somebody for help yeah. with it. Yeah. Okay. We went on, on a huge tangent. Yep. So let's get back on track. It's all right. I had a chat for a while. It's all good. Um, okay. Um, so, um, I mean, it linked really nicely into about 50 minutes ago conversation. Stereotypes. Uh... <laughs> What has your experience with stereotypes of BPD been and um, how is reality different? I think, I've, again, I've been a little bit blessed in the regard that because I don't really let many new people into my life in the sense that they know me at a deeper level. Again, I, I'm really great. People with personality disorders can usually be really good at acting and putting on masks and be, yeah, I see that smile. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. You can go, you can go and like, yeah, hey, okay, cool. Like, I, I'm the exact person you want in Don't your life right now. But <laughs> underneath, I'm just like, it's like, but again, I don't, thankfully, I don't get associated with the stereotypes because the people I talk to are in safe environments to talk to about it, like group therapy or with my friends in a personal space. I mean, it's awful seeing 
like media representation about it or how people react like oh you're just a crazy person or or you're just this or that another but there's i think it's again it's almost good that a lot of media now is positive there is a hell of a lot more about mental health now and uh it is less it is it's a stigmatization thing again isn't it it's a lot less stigmatized now thankfully and i think it is actually going in the right direction like at least in my experience personally i mean i have been called a lunatic or crazy or just messed in the head a few times but it's thankfully i've managed to sort of duck to water it because i know that the environments that matter are at therapy and with the people that love me and care about me so thankfully <laughs> i mean for for not even personally uh experienced but i feel uh, just off the top of my head one of the biggest stereotypes i feel of personality disorders is that we're all psychopaths yeah. um <laughs> basically the only um everyday person knowledge about personality disorders usually stems from serial killer um at films and uh media and that is more or less the only time it's ever discussed but for those who don't realize personality disorders actually is a huge branch of uh mental health issues um there's eight i think in uh total 10 recognized according to this list i just pulled up 10 right yeah. um and only one of those is psychopathy uh <laughs> yeah. um it's very easy to get lumped in isn't it sort of I like oh you're a lunatic you're crazy yeah i think in in total there's three violence orientated ones one which is psychopathy out of all of those so mm -hmm. and and I know one of the things that really put me off of going towards the group therapy was the fact that I I, I mean as I said I, I never got diagnosed with what my personality disorder is so you know you never know um <laughs> <laughs> got it uh don't piss me off um but, <laughs> but I, I'm I'm pretty convinced mine's more along the anxiety disorder um related ones but um the idea of putting an anxiety disorder sufferer in with a psychopathy <laughs> disorder. Such a, there's such a range of disorders yeah. when it comes to personality disorders. You just you wouldn't put 10 different disorders in a room and go, they're all the same people. And I think that's the thing with BBD because it is quite broad because of the spectrum of the diagnosis because there's like a certain amount of hits you need to take off that list that I led earlier. It's sort of like each person in the room is getting those same emotional sort of ranges, but they've all got different stories and they aren't all going to be the exact same, even if they've got the same disorder. You know, I mean, there's there's psychopaths out there that could actually almost come across as normal, but I mean, I guess how you get those serial killers and things like that, you know, as you say, it's the... I mean, that is one of the key different. traits of <laughs> psychopathy, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's that to me is one of the biggest. Um, I just was wondering if you'd come across that in your experience or if that was. Again, I have a few times, but thankfully, because I've been sort of like, I've, I feel like I've passed it in 
sort of um because it was back when I was already broken anyway I sort of it just didn't really even stick with me I was already at the point where I was like you know what anyone that says anything to me at this point I'm I'm already at the lowest like nothing you can say is going to hurt me any more than I do myself every day so you know it's and I think I think if I sit there and think back about it there has been a lot of times where there's been people like oh you're just you're just nothing but a psycho you're nothing but some sort of like lunatic anxious person you should be in a padded self and so I was like yeah but sort of like that, that was again at the point where I was so numb to it all and so beaten down I sort of Thankfully, it never knocked me back because I was already back. So, <laughs> but just comes from a just a blatant misunderstanding of what these things are for as well. It's like yes, things like patented cells do exist, but for very extreme cases, for you know, they're cushioned to protect people. That that doesn't none of this means exactly what you think it means, but it's just from looking up films and, and things like that when a, a lot of the earliest representations we see of mental health are things like the joker with batman and they just like oh he's just crazy he's a lunatic he'll blow you up and it's like i mean not quite like sure he does those things but he's also a comic book villain like it's very different it's very different uh you know and i, I was just looking up as well like personality disorders in films and nobody can actually explain exactly like They've got a clockwork orange as one of the most realistic examples of a personality disorder in a film. But then they also have that as one of the most realistic psychopaths and also one of the most realistic, like, sociopaths. It's like, nobody's quite sure what these are representing. So they're not good representations. Oh, no. I, I love seeking out media that's helpful when it comes to uh, mm-hmm. sort of explaining emotions because sometimes it's actually helpful to me to go, right, you watch what this character's doing because it's very similar to something, some of the things I do. Uh, one of the mm-hmm. ones that I really linked with is a show called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And mm-hmm. it sort of it takes the stigma of like, oh, look, she's just a crazy person. But like she's going through this and you see her go through this range of complex emotions and grow as a character and realisation. And that that's a really healthy show for promoting positive mental health things like that and I, that's i love finding other shows like that mm. like things that sort of present it and actually again because i think people seem to think that having poor mental health is always a hundred percent negative thing but yeah it's the connotation yeah it sucks to deal with but it doesn't make us any less worth being on this planet and it doesn't make us any less of a human being and it makes the positive things about us and our positive traits shine through so much more Again, like, yeah, I'm, I can be a little bit angry and sad and just totally all over the place, but I'm very high empathy. I care a lot about people. I, I'm very passionate and I can use that. And when I use it right, I'm, it's, you know, it's, that's the important thing to hold on to is like the fact that those negative traits are there, eh, whatever they're there, but I can work on the positives that I've got and use them for good because mm. that's what it should be, you know? It's what it should be. Yeah, that's uh that's great. It sounds like you've reached a place where you can grow and uh, identify your um, particular um, uh, signs and uh, uh, symptoms, and that way you s- you're on the track to being able to to deal healthily with it. It's not easy. It is not easy. There, there are definitely there are definitely days where I will just get just absolutely. That's the thing. This is obviously it can change. Like it, I was really nervous coming. I was like, oh, please don't get to Thursday, and I just go into a, a thump because I was I was so nervous. I was just going to sit here and just go over that total wave of just darkness come over me. I'm like, cool. But luckily, I was sort of right it through. It's like, cool, cool, we're there. But there are still days where I was just wake up in the morning like, 
I just want it over. Just, just get me out. I, I want off this ride, basically. And it's, mm-hmm. it's trying to deal with, because again, it's so unexpected a lot of the times. I could be, I was, I remember coming back from the gym the other day. I was in such a good mood, really happy. The second I laid down in bed, ready to go to sleep, just suddenly, just everything just hit me like a bus, and I was just felt misery and sadness and just empty. I was like, oh boy. But again, now I've got the tools and things like that. I can realize when I'm not in a normaler, normaler again, headspace. And I can try and pick those things out and work on them and be like, right, okay, you're not there at the second. You're not fine. Just let's do the things that make you happy. Go make a cup of tea. Let's work through this. You know, it's, it's, it is taking yourself almost aside and going, right, we're walking you through this step by step. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what tools would you say that are particularly effective? Talking to people always is always, again, a huge thing. It's the high empathy thing. It's the high, the, I've got, a, it's, it's awful because we are like the most introverted extroverts. So it's like, you need the social interactions. And you need to be able to talk to people about it. Sometimes it is hard because it's hard to open up to people when you've been hurt and you don't want to get hurt. So it's, it's difficult, but it's, it's always worth reaching out if you can. I mean, there's so many good helplines out there and things like that now as well, which I'd advise to anyone that's ever having a bad time, make sure you reach out to whoever you can. But it is a matter of just trying to find those things that you do enjoy and thinking of those people that you are there for and all the positives you have got going, however hard it can be. It's, sometimes it is just a matter of you're just going to have to just ride a dodgy couple of hours because that can just happen mm. you just gotta you sometimes have got to sit there and feel it you have just sometimes got to just sit there and just let it have its moment it's hard i think that's one of the hardest things to learn is yeah. that you often to process emotions especially strong ones you do need to let them be you have to let them occur because the fight is what generally puts you into the spiral. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, foolproof. It's just that quite often it's the fighting, not feeling that puts mm. you into the darker depths. Um, yeah. So just sitting and observing those emotions is usually quite useful. Yeah. It's, it's, I think that's why I personally find it particularly difficult to mourn because I'm always just trying to make sure that everyone else is okay, trying to sort of pull people through it and things like that. And I've sometimes you sit there and you just think, like, I don't need to deal with this right now. This is fine. And but it's not like you should actually have time to sit there and process loss, which can be any type of loss. It can be losing family, like through death and grievance, or it can actually be the loss of a friendship or a relationship, an opportunity, work, things like that. There's everyone should actually have the time to be able to process those feelings because they're powerful and they will sit there and they will they will bite at you when you least expect it sort of i think for me again the biggest one for me was sort of when my ex i say when she miscarried like twice it was sort of like i was always there making sure she was okay and trying to support her through it and making sure that i was dealing with everything i need to do after having to see some pretty dark things i had to deal with some dark force but it was only like later later down the line i was like oh, okay, I never actually processed this. And I just had to feel that and it hurt. It really hurt. But again, it's the, it's the stigmatization, isn't it? You don't, 
you don't often sit there and go, oh, the dads don't feel sad when things like that happen or, oh, you should just be fine, whatever it happens. Or, oh, look, you got a boy now. Why does it matter? It's like, no, nah, that's that's not right. That's everyone should have a chance to process the emotion. Everyone, 100%. Yeah. It, it's definitely one of those things that, like, I know that a lot of the time, there's a there's a lot to be said for women having a lot of autonomy or oh, sorry people with uteruses having autonomy taken away by others who want to control them but then there's also the other side of that of you know the the other the other part the partner the other side of it not actually being given any kind of respect when it comes to a child the the, the entire the entire politics around children really annoys me because people with uteruses are told that oh you know well somebody else controls this because we need to ask what your man thinks of you doing anything with it but then if anything happens with a baby whatsoever it's well where's mum what does mum think well, you know forget dad dad doesn't know isn't it nice to see a dad with their child and it's like wait what yeah. hold on and it's 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 so frustrating because i mean like I say I I'm a cis woman. I know what it looks like from one side, but trying to then understand and acknowledge the other side is so difficult. Yeah, it's... And yeah. I I feel for you, mate. I really do. It can't have been easy to go through. It it wasn't. I think. No. I think for this well because the, they were pretty bad. I had to see some pretty horrible, gruesome things yeah. when I went through it, and it was like, well, oh, I didn't. The fact that I just I felt I felt broken at the time because i was like why why aren't i reacting but it's because i knew for a fact like late when i sat down and thought about it, i was like no, i literally made sure i was there for my ex i made sure i was there for the people that needed me and had to mm -hmm. process it and i never actually sat there and went huh i need to process this it was only later on down the line where i actually again and this happened with losses in my family and things like that and losses of relationships and friendships it's like it only took me much later down the line sitting here and going huh okay this all kind of sucks did it really sort of hit me but you know mm -hmm. it's i'm really glad that i eventually got to that point because grievance sucks no matter what mm. what you're grieving it does but you have got to feel it otherwise it is going to just sit there and keep biting you and you just won't put your finger on it until you just open up yeah. about it yeah i'm a fan of analogies just to sort of help explain because especially with people that don't necessarily or haven't experienced a situation empathy can be a little bit difficult to grasp sympathy is there but empathy is a little bit more difficult but i think best way to at least for me to describe how i deal with these feelings is it's like when if you skid a car the easiest way to get it to stop is to turn into the skid and let it kind of resolve itself if you turn out you flip the car and everything sets on fire so it's generally easier that's not to say you should turn in a wallow in everything and just let it completely take control but acknowledging that something is happening and that taking control of it is the best way to deal with it is much better than setting everything on fire <laughs> i think that was the thing for me is having i think that's the thing with bpd in particular as well is actually being able to control your emotions rather than letting them control you mm. because i actually sat there in myself and said right i need to process this this and this i could actually sit there individually and work through them because i was like mm. right I'm ready to feel these emotions. They're going to sting. You know, it's, it's like it's like having a wax strip on your emotions and such. Like, this is going to sting, but when I pull it off, like, it's going to be a little bit better afterwards because the mess has gone a bit, but yeah. it's going to sting while I do it. But it's, it's such an important thing for me to be able to do that. And I think even anyone, every, every human being, again, needs to be able to sit there sometimes and just go, right, 
this thing that's bothering me, I need to sit here and feel it properly because I'm never going to be able to move on from it otherwise. Mm. So, yeah. Um, right, before I move on to um, uh, questions, I just want to point out if anyone wishes to submit a question, um, do so now. Um, or forever hold your pieces. Um, Not on stream though, that breaks COS. Um, right, so while I wait for that, I do have one audience question already. Um, so has your BPD diagnosis had any specific effects on your online life or content creation? Or is it something you generally keep quiet aside from specific discussions? I think for me, it's actually, the effect has actually had, has been positive because I make sure that with everyone I interact with now that this is, because it's only been recent for me that I've probably had an online presence as such where I've been really streaming more and doing things more. I I own it now. I think that's the important part about it is that I own it and I'm like, this is me. I'm not going to filter myself. Like This is me 100% of the time and you ain't going to get this person that's just this total stranger that like, if people come with me with a problem I will answer things like that and but I'll always be honest and I think that's great because it means I can I mean I get these opportunities now where I can come speak about it I can look to do something more about it in the future I love talking about mental health I love being able to help people and you know something I want to do myself you know so it's it's actually been helpful for me having uh having that know-how about it now to be able to go forward with it and go right this is part of me deal with it sort of thing it's actually been huge so yeah there we go um um so i've one that's just been put into the um uh chat but hasn't been put through channel points actually highlights something that i had written down anyway um is what would you advise people with BPD who are trying to find their first steps in recovery and someone who's, um, how would someone go about getting diagnosed if they suspect that they have BPD and what does it involve? It's, it was a difficult one for me because I, again, I got quite lucky because I've basically waddled my way into having a brilliant mental health person at the end of it. I had a really good, um, mental health nurse in the end that was like, this is this is it they sort of clocked on they sort of knew the signs and were like right yeah so i it's hard for me to answer that one in that regard but if you've got a lot of the signs from the big nine basically it's probably important to speak to a mental health professional about um about uh, the symptoms you are getting regardless like if you're feeling a lot of those things anyway you probably should be getting some help so i think it, again it's hard because it's it's such as it's a weird thing on the spectrum because it's sort of they say it's between bipolar and schizophrenia they say that's why they say bpd fits as such quote unquote but um it's they don't like diagnosing people with it because obviously the stigmatism around personality disorders the stigmatism around all that stuff and it's hard because if they if they misdiagnose it too far either way you're going to hurt hurt more than hinder if they over medicate you they'll turn you into a zombie like i was if they under medicate you or something you're just not going to get the help you need and it's mm. the same with diagnosis if you've got a certain parts that are 
more applicable to you you could have a different disorder you could have like an anxiety or depression disorder you could have um you could have some form of psychosis that you need to address you know it's 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 a difficult diagnosis but it's it's important that even regardless even if you're just feeling sad to speak to a professional for help and if you aren't happy with the person that's providing it actually finding someone that you're happy providing that help with sooner rather than sort of sitting with the same person because i think that was something i definitely did wrong going through the mental health service i allowed a, a therapist that was pretty much not there was no like you do you sometimes you don't sync with people regardless like on a any level and that was the case for me and me and that said therapist but again mm. you sometimes have to go for a few duds to find someone that's going to really understand you and listen to you so and yeah. that's my only advice is keep pushing it Ip, because they do sometimes put you to the back of the list without you bloody realizing and don't ever feel like you're worthless just because of these things just push at them and push at them and bloody push at them because it is the only way you get through mm. so um which is also um something that we talk a lot about on here is uh it's time for the catchphrase <laughs> Be your own advocate, um, which I even wrote a blog post about. So if you go to uh, my Kofifi, um, there's an entire, entire article that's over 2,000 fucking words of how to uh, be your own advocate and fight your corner when you go to the doctors. Um, mm -hmm. So if, if, you, if you feel like you need any any help there's a resource there um so um i'm gonna leave yours to the end because i feel like yeah. that'd be a good one to end on um just uh, <laughs> I, I i have seen it <laughs> it's all right i've got an amusing story to tell to explain why i asked said question so don't worry. <laughs> um yeah so since you got your diagnosis has your perception of yourself changed yeah a little because Again, I think for me, as I've said, it's actually been quite a positive journey for me because I personally, again, as I was saying near the start, I personally needed the diagnosis. I needed to have that, not a label as such, but just that almost that validation that there's something quite not right. And that was really, really important to me. And it's actually affected me positively because, again, I've now reached out for the, the correct people. Like I said, I've had some bad diagnoses. Don't get me wrong, they're not all positive. But this one in particular was like, right, I've actually had the right help this time. I'm in the right places this time. And now I feel like it's only up for me here because I'm going forward and I'm literally doing the things that are important to me now and seeing the people that are actually understand me and not just waning me off with more pills and less help than anything, you know? The, the amount of times I've sort of before just had like, oh, here's, here's like another 50 grams on top of what you're already having, uh, milligrams of what you're already having and... Uh, uh, is a book that says, yeah, do better or whatever on it. You know, it's it's now an actual like, cool, I'm with a group therapy and people that are like, yeah, right, we hear you. We want to help you. What can we do? And being able to speak to other people that are on that same level with it, it's it's massive. It's so massive. But yeah, I think for me, it has been positive, thankfully. It's not going to be for everyone. Because again, some people might break at the fact they have something wrong. Some people don't like getting it because they think, oh no, there's something wrong with me. I'm never going to be normal. But 
for me it was again it was that validation that i needed to be like cool i finally i'm finally in the right spot and i'm finally moving forward because i did spend a hell of a long time going down a very deep spiral whereas honestly i'm thankful i made it out the other end i really am i i always think that for those people that would you know that don't want to know that think it's easier you're already living with it it just doesn't have a name and because it doesn't have a name you can't do anything about it yeah. and it can be really difficult to get that name and sometimes it is a massive privilege to get that name but if you don't take any steps to try and sort of address it like you would with mental health or how we've said that that's helped if you don't take any steps to address it at all it's just going to continue being a problem you don't have any way to address it to to call it out to actually understand what it is so i say it's i'd say it's always worth trying to to learn and like you said as well about trying different therapists again we, we do understand that not everyone has the ability to but you've got to find somebody you vibe with if you don't vibe with them it's just going to get worse being your own advocate doesn't necessarily mean fighting for yourself. It's about appointing others who can fight with you with yeah. your express permission, which is why you can sign up with a medical proxy and your next of kin and that kind of thing. It's uh, it's learning enough about yourself that you can let somebody else take the reins safely. Yeah. But also knowing that you can't pour from an empty cup. So like you've said about your son and you needing to take a couple of minutes to just like breathe first sometimes oh yeah you can't do your best by other people if you don't actually do anything for yourself like at all so blessed i really am in that regard yeah. like again i've got people around me that are so good and it's like mm. i'm actually being able to work on myself is massive because he'll be again my son will see the difference my friends will see the difference and i will mm -hmm. you know it's that's great that's fantastic so yeah Again, it's, it's, I know it sounds crazy, but it is turning those things that are metaphorical into actual things, like knowing what to call them for yourself. Everyone has their own different things. Like when I sort of feel yeah. that, that's, again, it's like the darkness coming over me as such. That's what I now know it as for myself. It's just like, cool, I can feel this darkness wave coming. I know for myself, that's me insinuating that it's, it's going to be a little bit of a rough, rough bit yeah. of time. But I now have a, not a metaphorical thing, but a thing that I can associate it with now. And sometimes... Yeah the association and naming things is actually important to being able to combat them so yeah i just call mine my brain because it's an understanding that my normal base level is being affected by not something i can actually do or something i have done or something that i've caused something else you know mental health is playing up so it's like my brain is telling me this is a problem but i don't think it is let's talk this through with somebody else you can give me an objective view on it yeah. like yeah it sounds like your son's in good hands he is he really is Hopefully. I'd like to just reiterate that while I mean I'm all for getting diagnoses, I think mm. that I, I've definitely experienced um, uh, it uh, so much better uh, 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 mental health and um, general copability um, and the right help from finally getting. A diagnosis um but it's not for everyone it's not for everyone okay if if having a label or a that diagnosis when it comes to things such as your mental health is not something that you feel like you would benefit from and it won't help you that's okay that is okay if you don't feel like you want the medication that goes with it or and it's not life-threatening in the sense of like cancer uh, <laughs> like 
you feel like you can cope with other means without an official diagnosis, mm -hmm. then that is your choice. Mm. You don't have to have that diagnosis. You can have, you, there are so many ways of, of getting help, getting uh, um, support, um, many, many different ways to, to do that. So don't feel mm. pressured that you need to have that. Um, that's half the reason they didn't want to actually give me the diagnosis the therapist literally even said to me is like this one will come like with the label that things could be more hard like some jobs will not take you on because if they see BPD as a thing on your mental health history they're like nope 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 like yeah. you know like time out like it's like no it's it's important to me that's the thing like if, if a job isn't going to take me on because of something that's part of me they, they ain't worth my time either yeah. that's the thing so I, t I tend to believe that if it's something that you may actually require medical assistance with, so treatment or a surgery or uh, intervention, as it were, that's kind of where you, sh you know, you should attempt to find out more about it, even if it's just a name, because yeah. if you get to the point where you start self-medicating, you're going to do a hell of a lot more damage to yourself. And then you're going to be forced into that diagnosis, whether you want it or not. And then it's going to come with an added hope of liver failure or something like that as well. Yeah. It I, I get it's really scary as well. And I'm sort of talking to just everyone here, not just you two, but I get it can be really scary, but you can only deal with something once you have a handle on it. Yeah, but definitely don't go and right get that... surgery uh, um, uh, somewhere no, else. No. <laughs> don't just think I don't need these tonsils. I'll just like, yeah. get don't, some don't help be doing any that. home brews of that. Okay. No. Yeah, so, yeah. You can't if yank gonna... your liver out with a piece of string tied to the doorknob, okay? It's, uh, you can, that, but the surgery will only last <laughs> as long as you live, and that won't be very long once you've removed your own liver. So, yeah. Oh, dear. Um, right. Um, so, um, I don't think we've got any other questions apart from this last one. So, let's finish on. Um, is there anything about BPD you can laugh about? Sometimes, yeah. I think I think it's the absurdity of... So I think there are times where I will... I think because I've got the presence of mind now, I can sit back and think of the absurdity of the things I've got properly riled up about or, the you know, some of the things that I've done because I'm like, eh, whatever, I don't care. And some of the things I do do and things like that, it's like, okay, cool. Like, I'll sit back and go, I got really pissed off. I dropped a spoon earlier. And it's like, there's something associated with that, but I can sit there and almost go, you know what? That's actually kind of funny because it's like, it's part of me. And it's like... Oh, cool. It's it's so absurd. And uh, as someone quote unquote normal again would look and go, What the hell was that about? I, I can say, That's just me. D you know, it's it's just me. I, I I think it's great because I've got to the I'm happy in the point of not caring anymore. I can just enjoy my life with what mm -hmm. I've got. Even if it is hard and extremely hard, living with my own head every day is tiring. Mm -hmm. But it also means again I don't really care what people think about me and I can make a bit of a tit of myself and not worry too much, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I think my ultimate logic of it is like, people ain't going to remember me for my mental health. They ain't going to remember me. They're going to remember me for what I do, my actions. And that's the important thing that I take away from everything. It's sort of like, I want people to sit there and go, oh, he was a guy with a mental health problem. No, I want people to sit there and go, oh, you know, he did this, this, that and t'other. And I've got all these good memories, not... Mm nothing that's going to sort of be like uh that was it oh you know yeah that's the, the thing for me 
the reason I like to ask that is just because laughter is definitely one of the best medicines. It's such a cliche thing, but I think yeah. when you get to the point where you're able to laugh, is what what is a really shitty circumstance is oh, yeah. is when it becomes easy to deal with. So the one I always tell is like I, I have problem with my limbs. Sometimes my limbs just go. So there was a time I was walking, I got off the bus, I was crossing these old cobble streets to town, and uh, my knee just went, my ankle and knee just went. So I went straight down in like a superhero pose. Unfortunately, I split my entire kneecap open to the fatty layer. So blood everywhere. And this French family came to help me. And I'm just sat there like, I need to speak French now? Jesus Christ. Like, just panicking. Like, I'm bleeding. There's French people. What is going on? But the uh, scar on my knee now just uh, looks like a vagina. So I called it the vagina. And it's just one of those things that whenever I'm having a really shitty health day, it's like, vagina. <laughs> It was a shitty circumstance turned into something very funny. Yeah. So, I think that's just, the thing. It's, there's yeah. this holding on to those silly things that happen because of what you did. Like, I remember going, remember being really upset. I, I ended up drinking because I was so sad. I went, remember going out really drunk one night because I was so sad. I needed to just get out of my four walls. And I bumped into a drunk American guy and we just started talking about something. And then a drunk German guy walked by having some problems even walking home. And I was like, you know what? If I wasn't so sad and weren't so depressed, I would not have this crazy story about helping a drunk German man home with a drunk American. And it's just like, what? That's insane. Mm -hmm. if, I, if I was normal, I'd be at home in bed and, you know, not drinking at stupid o'clock trying to forget my sadness. But I, I met a drunk American and a drunk German on the same night. That's incredible. <laughs> like, just but, but what's there. the punchline? I, I wish there you was know, one. The oh, they got German, Yay! American, and British shirt guy. Yeah, that, that's why I, I got back and I was like, that was just like the start of a crazy joke. A drunk Brit, a drunk American, and a drunk, a drunk German. Drunk German. It was like, oh, wow. Just incredible. It just, it's like, you know what? It's, comedy is great. It's, humor is great. Yeah. It's, laughing is the best medicine, you're right. And if I don't sit there and laugh bad, I'm just going to sit there and bloody cry. So I tried, exactly. to, keep, I tried to keep this positive, happy, laughy guy up because it's this the side of me i like so i mean my favorite me. one is the fact that um i just wasn't goth enough so i went and got graves disease <laughs> um <laughs> there you go there you go now you're just goth from head to toe i'm so goth i shit bats <laughs> oh, that. they're not bat track we've told you this so many times god damn it <laughs> <laughs> It's just going to be you eating like tiny bits of like bloody edible confetti in the shape of bats. Like it'll be true one day. <laughs> You're not the bad than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that kept cutting out, which was even funnier. That was oh, yeah. brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Batman's got nothing on drag. No, no. I was doing it before it was cool. Um... Yeah, just just drag fighting Batman, looking at him and be like, I would shit you. Just going for <laughs> There you go. Uh... Or I wouldn't without a laxative. <laughs> yes. You are very small, sir. Honestly. It's the bat nipples that become a problem. Oh, God. <laughs> right. And, and with that, we've come to the end of the podcast. What we always ending? end this on a brown note. It's not even a low note. It's just a brown <laughs> note. What a, what a way to end a very exactly. deep couple of hours by talking about pooping bats. That's Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we do try. The way um... to go. 100% <laughs> the way to go. Honestly. So, 
first i'd like to say thank you for joining us and sharing your story with us and it's been an absolute privilege to be here um, thank you for having me so i've had, I've had a great time surprisingly so Glad Thank to you. hear it. Glad you enjoyed it. Um, can I get a shout out? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Paige, once again, thank you for joining me to host. No I problem at all. Super appreciate it. Um, chat, thank you for hanging out and asking questions. And and uh, I hope this was educational and uh, interesting um i would like to also point out that although um i haven't actually informed Paige yet we do now have be your own advocate t-shirts and <laughs> bags way i know this now excellent <laughs> plug 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 <laughs> plug 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 um so if you would like to represent um then um you can have your very own t-shirt um but yes thank you all for joining us and hanging out i hope you enjoyed it um next through our eyes stream will be in two weeks with somebody somebody it's going to be with somebody that's what we know it's exciting it's 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 someone exciting um, mm, white shadow on honestly. lupus oh you fucking white shadow such a gorgeous person so i'm excited for that um sorry i've arranged everything like ages no ago, that's so that's fine it means i just turn up i just roll up <laughs> drunk and be like come on hey let's go <laughs> Woo! um next stream for me will be on uh sunday where we'll be playing some sea of thieves for talk like a pirate day yar! Yar. um but yes thank you all for hanging out i hope you have a good rest of your evening i hope you have a good rest of your day i hope you have a good rest of your week and yeah. i'll see you all soon say bye all bye, bye. see you later <laughs>